0: everyone, and welcome to, let's try to get this right this time. You can do it. The Hanukkah Erotica Book Club That's with, R- with Razel and Malia. Yep. I'm Razel, and I'm joined by Malia, my co-host and stepsister. Hello. Hey, Ma. Hi. It's been a little while. We, we're, like, we're like a half a week, a little, let's, normally we are every other week. Gave ourselves an extra week to read this very long book, actually.
1: This book which we'll, was long. I, I which we'll have... be discussing. Yes, yes. Uh,
0: but just quickly, Hanukkah Erotica is a podcast where Malia and I talk about Jewish romance books. And all things Jewish romance. Shows, movies. And we're here tonight discussing The Summer of Lost Letters by Hannah Reynolds. And listeners might remember a book we read right at the start called 8 nights of flirting by Hannah Reynolds which took place on Nantucket and this is the prequel to that. That was really a standalone though, but you know
1: you didn't that, really right that was a hanukkah romance and this is a summer romance, hence the hence the positioning. Exactly. And like I said it was super long. I guess that's where
0: we're starting.
1: Was it longer than Eight Nights of Flirting? It felt longer to me, it, but... I don't know,
0: but Eight Nights of Flirting was also very long. We can find that out easily, but they were both
1: very long books. Right, right. You know, and interestingly, I think I listened to Eight Nights of Flirting as an audiobook, but this one I read. So maybe it was just like the different experience of the read versus the listen. But... yes, Yeah, this one, it, it was it was lengthy, certainly. Also, like the the whole concept of like the... It's the same family. It's a prequel. So you're focused on the same, like, wealthy sort of storied Jewish family that lives on Nantucket. And I, you know, I already knew about them. So I guess it felt like uh, it felt like a good amount of repetitive information. I guess I'll start by saying that. Like, it, it circled back to a lot of the stuff we learned already. Did you that, feel that? in a, In a way that felt repetitive, you're saying? A little bit to me. I think it felt a little bit like, okay, I know this already.
0: Right. I, yes, I think you're right. It did feel repetitive, but I needed the refresher. I guess you're probably right. So it didn't bother me. Okay. I really needed the refresher. Right. Okay. I just, we're at Golden Doors again. We're back on Nantucket. By the way, it, Eight Nights of Flirting was 400 pages and Ah. this was 384. Okay. So comparable. Comparable. And I, I do think it's cool. Like it is cool to write a really long YA book. Because I just imagine a teenager having more to read. And like, I feel like the Harry Potter books being longer and longer was, was exciting and compelling to readers
1: of Harry Potter. Yeah, it's fun. And it really draws out the sort of like, I feel like a lot of these why and again, as I've said before, but for our new listeners, I'm sort of new to the YA genre. So really, my entire experience of YA is books we've read for this podcast. But I feel like a lot of YA books so far center on this sort of, like, will they, won't they, like, sexual slash romantic tension that's building. And this book, like, really gave it time to build. Like, (laughs) You were really like, okay, guys, like... Let's it get was going a slow here. burn. It really was like <laughs> it was like, and then the next day, like, but that was good. I mean, like, I I felt the chemistry with them. Like, I wanted them to just to to make it happen already. So I was I was I was there with them. It was a slow burn, but I yeah no
0: I agree. I was um, I felt it for them totally and and, uh, and their chemistry. So okay, so here's what the book's about. Please, you may remember, but probably if you read Eight Nights of Flirting, you remember. That there was a cousin of Shira Barbanel named Noah, because Shira Barbanel is the main character in Eight Nights of Flirting, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. So Shira Barbanel in Eight Nights of Flirting had a cousin named Noah Barbanel. You may remember that because, like, she was also there. Were just like a lot. There was a lot of stuff going on with Shira's cousins in general. They were doing shows, and Shira had one other older cousin around her age. And that was Noah. Noah is the love interest in this book. He's not the main character. He's right. the love, he's the love interest. So the main right. character is Abby.
1: And who was Abby, also in it, who was also in eight nights of flirting.
0: Right. Yeah. yeah. She was, she was right. She was in, in it too. I forgot about that. Cause they were already together.
1: Yeah. They were, she was like the girlfriend of the cousin. Right.
0: Exactly. And so this is the story of how Abby and Noah meet and how Abby how abby gets connected to nantucket in general yes. and her whole history so it starts off with this letter the book's called the summer of lost letters and this book is about these letters that hannah found and they are written they're letters from a man
1: letters that abby found yeah what did i say hannah the author I think it said Hannah, yeah. Yeah,
0: Hannah, the author, Abby. Abby, the this girl, Abby, who's from right. a small town in Southern Mass. Right. And um, she finds these letters that a man named Edward wrote to her grandma. But it's not her grandpa. Right. You know, it's not her grandpa, or to her knowledge, the father of her mother. She re- she reads, she finds, like, very romantic love letters.
1: Yeah. and And sad sad but also and also kind of sexy like yes sad,
0: steamy, steamy. sexy steamy all of it very emotional right heavy duty love letters that her oma received many years ago and her oma was a holocaust survivor and apparently wouldn't really conv- um identify as a holocaust survivor exactly because of how young she was when she escaped but right came here as a four-year-old child alone with no family, and everyone in her family died in the war. So this is kind of how it starts. And you know, Molly and I often talk about how, how Jewish are books and what are the Jewish tie-ins to the book, but there's this very peak, big piece of this book about her being a third-generation Holocaust survivor and her Oma being this Holocaust survivor who didn't speak about all this trauma and coming to be, being alone here.
1: Right? There's a lot of Jewish history in this book. Yes,
0: yes, the Kinder transport. Honestly, yeah. things that things I didn't
1: know about. Right, really. and and Abby's like really doing like the genealogy hunt. Like she's writing to archives. Like she really. The whole idea is Abby finds these letters and she's like, I want to know more. Who is this man? Does he have a key to like more about my grandmother's like hidden past that she never knew and never told us and whatever? Right, and she starts going down this. This rabbit hole of trying to figure out
0: who this man is. She figures out it was Edward Barbonell. Right. She does research and finds out that he lived at Golden Doors in Nantucket, which is the home of the Barbonells in Nantucket that we that big house that Shira Barbonell was alone in with that guy Tyler in Eight Nights of Flirting. Right, and put out all the like holiday decor with him in that opening scene. Exactly. Yep. Um, and so that I think we both pictured as like Downton Abbey, but in Nantucket, but like with like hydrangea. Totally.
1: Totally. like wh- C- Christmas Downton Abbey for sure. <laughs> Christmas, like a, Christmas, Christmas star on beach,
0: it. Christmas beachy Downton Abbey, right? Downton Abbey meets the Hamptons.
1: Right. But that was like winter in a town that's like mostly occupied by summer visitors. Whereas this right, is right, like right. summer prime exactly. time. Exactly. Right. Okay.
0: So... So Abby kind of discovers who he is and is just like, I'm spending the summer on Nantucket. Done. She also has a great relationship with her parents that comes up a lot. Yeah. And her mom is like interested in in, in what she's going to find and curious and supportive of of this. But Abby gets a job. Have you noticed, um, this is probably such an, Lukewarm take that everyone notices, but so many romance books involve someone who loves books, mm. someone who works in a bookshop, or is a writer, or loves. It makes sense to me because like they must be autobiographical to some degree, right, right, right. And it's but like... it's like they have a love for books. A lot of these characters. That's true.
1: That's a good point. And. But I'm sh- if that feels yeah. true to me, but now I'm trying to think of who else that's true of, like other other books that we've read. I feel like, was the was the woman in Hot Rabbi into books? I feel like there was there was some stuff about that. I'm, I'm trying to just remember other, what you're saying rings true to me, I'm just trying to remember other examples of it, but I think you're right.
0: I have to think about our books versus all of the books I read in general. Right.
1: But it's a general trope, like sort of... G-
0: yes, like generally. I, by the way, even in, going by coastal i feel like is there a bookstore involved
1: or oh yeah no was there... i don't know there's Carole... a, there a coffee shop right there oh hmm. they had a book club yeah she and her mom had a book club in right going oh by yeah coastal. she loved she loved books right her and yes, mom had a yes, book yes, club yes, they connected yes. on it yeah yeah i think you're right it's sort of like right it's the 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 author sees themselves in the story and they're trying to write in something relatable i think so
0: Anyway, she really loves books and also history in a deep way that I'm sure this is this has to be a lot of Hannah. There's no way Hannah Reynolds, I meant Hannah when I said that, there's no way that Hannah Reynolds doesn't have a deep love of history the way that this character Abby did, because you could never write this book totally. without without really caring and doing the research.
1: Once again, like extremely self-possessed, sort of like wonderful, I think overall really positive portrayal of a 17-year-old who's like... Tracking down history, like writing to archives, chasing clues about the kinder transport. I don't know. Just like, again, very like mature, I feel. I totally, I totally agree. I also like discovering
0: the friendships that she makes and the job, you know, she gets a job. So she goes to Nantucket for the summer. She gets an apartment. Uh, she shares a par- apartment with a few people and an older woman, a house. Someone ha- take has a room for her and she stays right. there. right. And she gets a a job in a bookshop and she immediately kind of makes a little group of friends Mm -hmm. through her, through her roommate. And, I like their initial first. I like the way she describes Nantucket and the summer vibes. And she's describing how beautiful it is and all the guys in like their Nantucket reds, which is obviously just a bunch of guys in like pink vineyard vines looking shorts or totally polos, 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 definitely polos. Um, She describes them really well. Mm -hmm. And they also embrace her right away. And they start having this conversation that I like and really want to have with you where they're like, If you could only have three cheeses for the rest of your life, (laughs) what would they be? But I love that because I feel like it's so high schooly. Like that's such a
1: fun high school party, kind of like silly party chat. Totally, it's like very specific. You have like a lot of feelings about it, strong feelings about it. Yeah,
0: and then you know they they're all they're all hanging out, and maybe some people are drinking, and they're like. You know, I would have mozzarella and, and brie. They're like, you can't have brie without baguette, and you can't have baguette because you're in outer space in this scenario. So right, 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 right. <laughs> she comes in and she's like, what about cream cheese? And then she feels like immediately embarrassed. Is that even, does that even count as a cheese? And they're like, oh, cream cheese, good point. I couldn't not have bagels. Like, just like really right, high right. schooly, but also like a funny high school type. Totally. I appreciate that. What three cheeses would you
1: have? Mm, good if question. If you could only have three. Right. Um, I'm going to have to say cheddar. I, I love a good cheddar, like just mm-hmm. in terms of like a, you know, accessible but enjoyable versatile on its own. And versatile. Versatile. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I wouldn't say cream cheese. Like I, I like a cream I cheese, could, but I, I could do with it. If I never had cream cheese again for the rest of my life, it's no no huge loss for me Right. Personally. Like I'm, I will have it many times for the rest of my life, God willing. But please. I, agree. If I don't, it's okay. It's fine. So I won't- Top it's three, now. No. It's no tragedy. Right. No, definitely not top three. Um, it is- <laughs> okay. uh, I, I mean, I would say mozzarella just because I feel like for- pete Like I I, for I would need pizza. Like I feel like to never be able to have a pizza with a mozzarella on, it seems like a tragedy to me. I like mm-hmm. I, I like pizza. I mean, we're New Yorkers. We love pizza. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm going to say mozzarella. And um, cheddar. Mozzarella and cheddar are my are definitely- two immediates and then what's the third hmm
0: okay you keep thinking here are some that I love yeah go for it
1: some <laughs> <laughs> it's three it's three
0: Rachel well here's the thing like I love ricotta cheese mm, okay and I put it on things and I love ricotta toast and I love a mm-hmm. scoop of ricotta in other in mm-hmm. pasta versatile but I just really love it and I would miss it I would miss it
1: you should select it then
0: you know, and <laughs> I love, I love Parm. I love Parmesan, oh. mm-hmm. and mm. I love shredded Parmesan, Parmesan in salads, and I love it on pasta. And I don't know. It's like, would I miss cheddar? Of course. I also like just like really good cheeses that you could put on crackers. Like I like a Gouda on a cracker. I love Brie. Brie's I love good. Burrata. I don't know what to say here. It's hard. Three's hard, and it was hard in the in the book for them, but. It was how, part of how she connected with this group of friends, which I really liked.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was very cute. That was also like you believed it. It was that's the but that was the good thing about these characters is like they were mature, but they weren't like so mature that you were like, are these teenagers or are these thirty year olds? Like, do you know what I mean? I, I they felt were, a little... they felt more believable to you than going by coastal yes, characters. Yeah, going by coastal, I was like these. I I love that these are supposed to be how teenagers are, but I question if it really is how they are here. She was like, you know, she she was passionate about her history and her family and her values. And she stuck with them. But also, you know, she was like, should I wear this sexy bikini or am I self-conscious? And also they were doing this kind of flirting that was like, that I felt like was very believable of high school flirting, which was kind of like always like on the verge of insulting the other person sort of, where it was like, I felt like this, this was very true to me where it's like, you're trying to be flirtatious, but you don't really know how to do it without, kind of veering into sometimes being mean or or like insulting do you know what I mean and so they were I know I I don't think that was the way I flirted but
0: I know what you're describing I think I'm talking about myself more than anyone else (laughs)
1: yes (laughs) I relate to the idea of like trying to flirt but you just come off as mean (laughs) I love this I I love that for you thank you yes (laughs) I really I related to that, and I felt like, do you do you know what I mean? Like that they yes. were doing that, like in trying to be sort of like teasing, and then it would just be like she would just realize that she had insulted him, and then she would have to kind of like reel it back in. Um, right, right, right. I felt like that happened a number of times. Right, and the difference was like in
0: I agree with you in going by coastal in both storylines. Like one, like. It was a little bit of a slow burn, but they were, like, into each other and it was sexy. And the other one, like, her her West Coast one, it was like they were just into each other right away and going for it. So it was right. different than this. I agree. Yes, yes. I, 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 yeah, totally. Uh, another thing that happens at the very beginning is when she's deciding to, like, do this and she goes and she's kind of nervous. She re- She kind of reconnects and touches base with her crew from home. And she's nervous. And her friend's like, what does your dad always say? Go crazy. Be bold. What does he say? Have some chutzpah. And then she's like, the summer of chutzpah. So this becomes like her summer of chutzpah, where she decides to just like be a drop boulder, you know, have the sexy bathing suit on hand. She doesn't know what's going to happen. And one other key difference with going by coastal and this, but this just also has to do with maybe the character that the authors were writing and possibly even who the authors were. Is that the characters in Going by Coastal were very privileged, and the main character in Going by Coastal was very privileged. Like she's she's going to L. A. She's going to all the restaurants. She's doing whatever. Like she's just like finances are not an issue, and right. it just doesn't. It's it's not. It doesn't come up here. Like she needs the summer job. At that first party that we were talking about where they played the cheese game, someone mentions the Barbanels are golden doors. And she's like, wait, what? Golden doors? Huh? And she's almost like immediately embarrassed because she's like... This is why she's here. She hears Golden Doors. She's literally here to get connected to Golden Doors. I'm like, why so interested? And she's like, oh, uh, my, my, well, I think we're family friends or something. And then they're like, oh, do you like Noah? But she doesn't even know who Noah Barbanel is at that point. And there's a girl there who's like, I actually have a catering gig there tomorrow night. Do you want to join me? Do you want to see if I can get you a catering gig there too? But like, she's down for a catering gig. A, because she she wants to snoop by Golden Doors. She, Gold, she's not doing the catering gig for any other reason but also like this is someone who needs to work totally and she's very aware of seeing all of the privilege in nantucket and that she's but, different than them she's not totally. someone who summers there she's someone who's working there for the summer it's a little bit different
1: yeah yeah yeah. And there's totally like a sort of upstairs downstairs vibe then that ensues because she meets noah and then they start to develop like a flirt a- a friendship and a romance and a flirtation at the same time. But it's very clear to her that she's sort of like not from his world. And then that starts to parallel the story that they start to unfold with her grandmother and his grandfather, where it turns out, um, you know, spoiler alert that like her grandmother was sort of taken in by the Barbanel family as a young child and basically like somewhat adopted by them and sort of raised by his Noah's great grandmother, I guess, and great grandparents, um which is like crazy to Abby because she never knew anything about this. She never knew about this sort of a childhood that she that her grandmother had. She never knew about that her grandmother ever set foot on Nantucket. So this is all just like secret life of her grandmother that she never knew about. but it's paralleling her own experience, exactly. This whole part of the book that Molly is describing
0: is woven in throughout the book, these letters and the unfolding of this story. I cannot imagine a family secret so deep that you didn't know that your grandma came in on the Kinder Transport and was raised by a family of New Yorkers who summered in Nantucket. I just don't see it. And I know that there's big secrets. And I also know (laughs) that survivors often just don't share about that. I've seen this firsthand. I know that that's true. Right. They really kept things like, I know they couldn't talk about it, but the, but the childhood in New York part and, and the summers in Nantucket, it's just, I can't, I just, I can't imagine, but, so there's this whole, yes, there's this whole romance that's being unfolded with these letters. And Noah is in denial about the letters and angry at the beginning. He, The way that they initially meet is that she sort of snoops her way into a room in the house. And Noah, like, walks in there, like, I don't know, look with a flower looking for a vase or something. Or maybe that was just his cover. Maybe he came in for a second to get a breather for away from his family. I can't remember now. But, right he's like, what are you doing here? Are you a thief? And and she's like, uh, (laughs) I'm a cleaner. He's like, where are your cleaning supplies? Like, you know, they have this initial meet cute in a room in the giant estate of his family, his family's estate, Golden Doors. But um, something comes up. She mentions the letters. He gets very angry and wants to protect his family at all costs and feels that this story coming out that There was a romance that, you know, that there was any way that his grandpa had feelings or wrote letters to any woman other than his grandma was, that whole thing's horrifying to Noah and he really wants to protect his family and he feels very upset. Um, but then he's also intrigued by her. And so he's like, okay, let's meet tomorrow and talk more about this. And so, you know, he meets her at the bookstore and they spend time together and then he meets her every day or every other day for the rest of the book. Or like, <laughs> they're like continuing to meet up and like do something and do more research. But at a certain point it shifts where he's now in it and, and wants to find answers too. And, you know, secrets come out. He he brings her around to her family. Uh, The family gets involved. Like, it gets more and more and more layered while they find out more and more details about their grandparents and their romance and also kind of fall for each other.
1: Right. This kind of, like, I mean, I don't know. It's fun, but it's also very foreign to me, this kind of family that he's supposed to be a part of. It's like this sort of, like, Almost like fake waspy family, but they're Jewish. I think I said this about eight nights of flirting, actually. It's just that like, and then his whole attitude of like, I have to protect my family, my family is everything. I can't betray my family. It's just like it's like this, this type most... of jew, yeah, this type of Jewish family is not familiar to me, but maybe that's uh, uh, so here's the thing not... like
0: here, yeah. here i've been I put a lot of thought into this with eight nights of flirting, and I actually am happy we're revisiting it because I just think that it's. The being set on Nantucket is the part that feels confusing because I do think there's secular-ish or traditional, but not Orthodox-ish. Very wealthy, just like old money, multi-generational, you know, wealth. For example, in who may have homes in the Hamptons, even sure, you know, it's like where I grew up. Many Jews had huge homes in the Hamptons, and those Jews kind of felt a little waspy at times like there was something about that vibe that that felt definitely would feel unfamiliar to you that this yes (laughs) you know like not exactly waspy but a little like like a secular or culturally jewish but not or not observant but culturally jewish jew with tremendous wealth like, yep. I feel like there's Upper East Side Jews with this kind of wealth that have also a, a house in the Hamptons, that kind of a thing. Like, I do think that exists. And if it was written about an Upper East Side family with a house in the Hamptons, it would just feel like, oh, to me, I get this. The Nantucket part of it, because it, they are New Yorkers. Right. They are New Yorkers in the book, but they, they summer in Nantucket. And that's unusual. And when I asked Hannah Reynolds about that during
1: Eight Nights of Flirting, she said that part was fictitious. Right. Right. That like they could have existed, but they didn't actually exist. Right. Right. Like exactly. No families exist like this, like a Jewish family connected to Nantucket. Uh, not like with this kind of
0: multi-generational wealth and this Portuguese tie in. It's like, think right. about, for example, like this is this is would be something else, but you could see it where it's like a family of family with tremendous wealth from Brooklyn with a huge summer home in Deal like Syrians like that kind yeah, of it. like yeah. that that it totally this this particular kind of Jewish family that feels like there are a ton of Jews right where if I you put I grew them up, in deal
1: i would i could picture oh, them much sure. more easily right, sure. right, right. cuz also they were portuguese like they had a sort of yeah they're sephardic they yeah, were Sephardic. they describe the food they make sometimes and it has like that it, there was some good food descriptions in this very stuff, good by the way. food descriptions that felt
0: like moroccan yummy like like gorgeous things of moroccan couscous flecked with golden raisins right 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 they had all that yeah 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 um and i could see that but i think that there are tons of kind of country club country club Mm -hmm. waspy type jews out in long island out east and i just think it's the nantucket part that felt confusing
1: i agree nantucket's a wild card right there were also some cute like summer like um flirting over ice cream scenes. Yeah. Ice cream is like a nice flirty summer summer food. Ice cream is
0: very it's very flirty. You're sharing it, you're taking licks of each hey, other's. It's licking, cuffs. it's melting. It's totally <laughs> it's
1: stripping. So, so <laughs> sexy.
0: <laughs> it is. It's perfect. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah. So it's uh, a lot. A lot came up here also about Judaism in general. Like oh, she also God, researches yeah. the shul in Nantucket and the Jewish community in Nantucket and the way that it worked was that this rabbi came up on Fridays for the Jewish families in Nantucket, which uh, that's totally believable. I could see that. I could see that happening in one of these beach towns. Totally. Where there's like to- not not enough of a community to have a full shul, but enough of a community for someone a rent a rabbi to come in for shabbat yeah, yeah,
1: yeah totally it's a great gig for them they get to spend like a weekend on the beach yeah it's really good um yeah i'll also say i really li- I, I did like um you know because so you get to know as the book progresses and this whole history unfolds you get to know like edward barbanel who's the guy who wrote these steamy letters to abby's grandmother is now the like 90 year old patriarch of the family um and has been married for decades to noah's grandmother who's not the woman he wrote these letters to. But I just like how it talks about their relationship. Like Noah's worried because his grandparents have been like on the rocks for a while. And I just feel like you don't often read about like 90 year old couples who are on the rocks. Like I feel like usually the portrayal of couples who are that old and have been together for that long is either like a sort of like very cliche, like they're still madly in love like type thing, or it's like a sort of equally cliche, like they bicker all the time and sort of pick at each other. You don't hear about like, oh, they're 90 and they're still, like, having major issues and, like, ups and downs in their relationship. I don't know. I I found that refreshing. That, by the way, is such a good call. Right. I've never heard of a
0: grandson or grandchild at all
1: thinking, like,
0: how are grandma and grandpa doing? Right.
1: How's that relationship (laughs) of theirs? Like, no. But he was. But he doesn't question it. They're very, like... I thought it was an, uh, like a nice portrayal of older people who were like older, but still just like very vibrant, living very full emotional lives. Yeah. Human. Yeah.
0: That's a really good point. Thank Noah you. Barbanel was very sexy. Oh, yeah. Totally. He was really hot and nice and smart. He Sometimes he was a dick. Actually, sometimes he wasn't so nice. Now that I think of it at the beginning, he was giving a little bit of those like, do you know who my father is vibes? Right.
1: right, right. But you need that. You need that to make it sexy. Right. And like she sort of breaks through that. Right. Because
0: it would then it had to become like there's like an enemies to lovers type of thing happening at the
1: beginning because of that. Um,
0: But he really was like a
1: Romeo and Juliet thing because it's sort of like their. His family, you know, sees her as a threat because she's sort of like bringing up this past that they don't want to think about, I guess. Right. She
0: also starts to really um see him and get to know him and gets in a very by the way, I think presumptuous high schooler type way or maybe just um romance novel type way, kind of um poking holes at his professional life and plan for his professional life. There's one very funny, he get, he he's going to Harvard. He's a grade above her and he's going to Harvard and they have a whole conversation about, you know, him being a legacy and the family donating. And he gets a little, he bristles at that, but then he sort of admits it. And, um, he's like, I'm going to, What she's like, what are you going to study? He's like, I'm going to study economy. And she's like, Oh, do you want to do economy? <laughs> which is really funny and also by the way very funny and timely because the barbie movie just came out Mm -hmm. and ken in the barbie movie just like does beach (laughs) like he's not he's not a lifeguard like he doesn't swim i say he just does beach right right right. (laughs) it was one of the funniest parts of the movie and so she's like
1: oh do you want to do economy right 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 and um but then he's like preppy rich boy kendall right t- style right. yeah.
0: but um but then it's sort of kind of it's very clear that he's very interested in plants botany and she's yep. sort of like i don't understand why do you have to take he has to take he feels pressure that he has to take over the barbinelle business why do you have to take over the barbinelle business and in becoming closer and spending this whole summer together you know, she sort of pokes holes in his plan. Right, right, right. Which is a little like... Right, is is this just just the stuff of YA books? I
1: think so. It's a little silly. It's like, oh, but your dream of being a botanist. botanist. (laughs) (laughs) Like, okay. You planted four (laughs) plants with your grandmother one
0: summer. (laughs) Let's just... Even at one point, they go see the rabbi at one point, though, Mal. And like, he's like, you know, he's like, Rabbi's like, so you're you and those plants. I know you love those plants. Like you'll be studying botany, right? And he's like, I know you love botany. I'll be studying business. (laughs) But but like everyone knows Noah barbanel as a plant loving green thumb.
1: Right, right, right. Who alas cannot pursue that passion because he must study economy.
0: Even though when they, you know, another but I could see this happening, especially with like a pretentious prep school kind of kid, but They had a conversation in the bookstore about books that felt very adult and sophisticated about, you know, she wanted a book recommendation and she was like, what are your favorite books? And like, you know, starts naming kind of like pretentious male authors. She's like David Foster Wallace, like Jonathan Franzen, like starts listing things that she's like, he probably reads this. I roll, you know, her. She's rolling her eyes. I'm not not rolling my eyes. She is. And um, and he's like, no, actually. And, like, lists a bunch of other authors. And then she makes a recommendation. I was like, I'm sorry. Like, maybe this is the case for kids going into Harvard. But, like, the summer before I was going into college, (laughs) I'm just laughing at the person I was seeing that summer. And he He was not (laughs) reading David Foster Wallace. (laughs) No. No. But I did have a friend, and he listens to the podcast, who was like... (laughs) I can't even say. He's like how, how where does he live again on the corner of um scumbag and piece of crap? I was like, like "Oh man. No, nice person though. Nice person. <laughs> nice person but wasn't reading David Foster Wallace. Listen. He man all now. be so highbrow.
1: Exactly.
0: That would, have been a, that
1: would I'm have right. been a great YA book. That was a fun summer. And um, the point is how believable. I mean like I get it he's going to Harvard whatever. It's the he's the elite, but right. you know like how many seventeen year olds are reading David Foster Wallace in their free time? Right. And he even wasn't. He was like, no, and then listed the others he did like, but that that right. that
0: um that scene felt like a little bit mature. But she was a book lover and worked a person who worked in bookstores back at home and then for the summer. So um so yeah, no, but they but he was sexy. Physically very attractive.
1: Totally. And then I, I also had like an awe moment when I realized that sort of like the other boy who she was flirting with to make him jealous was the love interest from Eight Nights of Flirting. Right, 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 right. All of a sudden right. I was like, oh, it's Tyler. If you remember those who read Eight Nights of Flirting or listen to our us talk about it, Tyler was Shira long longtime love interest in that book. And in this book, he's sort of like, the hot other guy who Abby flirts with to make Noah jealous.
0: Yes, 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 yes. And then Tyler's is Tyler.
1: Yes. Yes. So. Yeah.
0: Lot of cuties in this book. I was pleased with myself for remembering that tie in. I felt good about it. I am pleased too. Mhm. I good. Don't know if I realized that. I think well, I thought it was Evan. There was a guy Evan in the book. Even though I should know. I should have known better. I know it was Tyler. I was even talking about Tyler in this episode just now. During this conversation, I mentioned Tyler, but there was a you guy. You did,
1: you did. Evan Who in was this Evan? book.
0: I don't know, some other waspy guy. Hmm. That was always, hanging, that was always hanging around.
1: And I yes, was like, yes, is yes. Evan
0: the guy? I don't know. There was right. a... Um, you're right. But, you know, you're right. It was Tyler. It was Tyler, totally. Um, yeah, I mean, she also like kind of like really... She has a kick-ass summer. Like, she, yeah. she discovers the secret... She creates a whole world for herself, a social network because her mom's like, we're social beings. You can't be there alone just doing research. Like you need to make friends. And she's like, I totally did. Like, yeah yeah,
1: yeah. she did pretty easily she like fell into a great group very cute bonfires at the beach also sexy like a nighttime beach with a bonfire you can sneak off into the shadows and she they do they do like at parties
0: they're at parties she's hanging out with her friends or like they're on the fourth of july she's out there with red white and blue face paint having fun you know, doing piggyback rides with her friends. There's carnival games. There's carnival games. Uh, Come on, get out of town. (laughs) And, um, and then like on the side, like Noah will like see her and stop her and they'll talk and have like a big thing. And then they make plans to see each other the next day. And then the friend's like, what was that with you and Noah Barbanel? But like, Right. The reason why there are so many summer romance books about these summer beach towns, like, right now, there's a series out called The Summer I Turn Pretty, based on a trilogy by Jenny Han. It's a YA trilogy. Nothing Jewish about it. But... Okay. It's like all that's there. Like there's beach parties. There's salmon colored shorts. There's carnival <laughs> games. There's the Ferris wheel. Like there has to be because all these uh, beach the towns. Ferris have, wheel's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it is so fun and there's so much nostalgia there. But that's the yeah. way beach towns are. All right. of them. There's an arcade. Like there's summer foods. There's right. always there's always the red, white and blue fourth of july party and there's always fireworks at it and sure and you see it recurring in all these books but the thing is like so fun so sexy and in this case so jewish
1: totally and noah barbinell even has like a you know he contemplates how he he he's sort of self-conscious that he's kind of like a he has all these other waspy friends but they're like genuine wasps and he's like the jew wasp Right. He's aware of that. I definitely
0: yeah. highlighted that section. I'd love to be able to find it. But he's aware of feeling like he has to actually wear a mask and armor and dress waspy to fit in because right. he's a Jewish guy in a waspy world. And I that's interesting. And I'm sure that there are people who relate to that. I, I think that she has to put that in. Hannah the, Reynolds, the author, has to put that in because this Nantucket
1: thing is kind of random. Totally, because there are totally, and I do like, and I feel like this is true about Jew. Like, there's something about the two of them relating over their Judaism, despite the fact that socioeconomically, I guess, and culturally, they've had very different lives and upbringings. They do have this commonality over their shared Judaism that sort of makes them feel familiar to each other, despite. Those differences.
0: Totally. And also, it's not just that they're, like, secular Jews. Like, she feels like a involved, committed, educated, reformed Jew. Like, she actually talks about be- belonging to a Reform synagogue at home. Yep. Um, and so I agree with that. But I found the section... She's like, stand out how? And he says, oh, you know, he said with a slight smile, in New York, I don't have to think about being Jewish at all. No one blinks if you mention Solomon Schechter or Simcha Torah or the JCC. I don't have to represent Judaism or even particularly be Jewish if I don't want to be because other people are, and I could be non-religious and have critical debates. Here, sometimes I feel like I have to think about it more, make sure I'm not doing anything that'll add to a negative stereotype. He looked at me. Do you know what I mean? In my town, the Jewish community was so small, I didn't feel like I had a match for either of Noah's experiences. I'd never felt surrounded by Jewish communities or references, but I'd also never really felt like I had to represent Judaism being Jewish was something my family did in private but maybe that also made it easy since I never felt like I had to represent anything a little, it sounds stifling anyway, so that's what you were talking about Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I yeah. like that, me too they definitely do connect over their, their Jewish identity and it feels different than you know, in some of the books we read, it's like, I didn't know if they kept kosher, and I was like you know, knit one girl too. There was just kind of like this. We felt like kind of like a strange missing. the some, something about the tone, about the way that they yeah, were talking yeah, yeah. about their Jewish identities, felt off to us.
1: Yes, a um, still did, Yeah, and
0: I think some of the shtick in Jewish summer camp mafia also. Totally, like it was. So, it was so stereotypical. Like, oh, you are you're wearing a ZBT hat, but, like they're just sort of their interaction and the way that
1: Hannah Reynolds writes characters is just like feels yeah it feels very fluid and real like i believed that that connection despite all their differences yeah it just felt it just it just felt like they they recognized each other in that way that i feel like jewish people who are know that those values and that lifestyle and like that milieu do recognize each other yes i, t- I totally agree uh, there's
0: a there's an issue of the necklace uh-huh So she wants, in the
1: letters... Right. Her grandma wants this necklace back. Right. And it seems like their whole relationship is, at the end, kind of pivots around him refusing to give it back or something like that. Right. And
0: Abigail's like, Abby's like, what's the deal with this necklace? And Noah becomes very angry about the necklace, but that there is a situation with the necklace. And in the end, Edward Barbanel gets involved and everything's all out there and i kind of don't want to spoil it if any of our readers are going to read the summer of lost letters like if you're going on a beach vacation and want a beachy read that's going to be you know summery and sweet but also have elements of history in it like this is I recommend this book. This is a good book. Totally,
1: It was delightful. And it's really like, it's rewarding because it does tease out that like, will they or won't they for so long that when they finally do, it's very satisfying. Yes, totally. Which I think is a great thing for a summer read. It's like, you kind of know they will, but you're still like, come on, come on. And then finally happens. She did that really well, I thought. She really did. I mean, the burn was slow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but, it, it, but you, she you did were, it, You stuck with it. Yeah, she did it, it very. Felt... Yeah,
0: totally. Very, very well. But something you know, something kind of pivotal. And the, the 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 necklace kind of mm-hmm. is gets wrapped up in a way that I felt really great about. I loved that ending and tie in, but totally. I don't want to spoil spoil the necklace thing for our readers, so, because you may read it and. It's almost like, you know, I really love and respect a book if I'm not giving it all away because I want people to read it. And so Absolutely. that's how I feel about this book. I'm not going to spill the beans on what happens with her Oma's necklace.
1: And I mean, it's like we always say, like, we, you don't have to read that, the books, if you to listen to our podcast. But it's like, if you're not going to read the book, then it doesn't matter what happened to the necklace because you're not reading the book.
0: <laughs> if you want when to know what it- happened to the necklace, ask us. We'll tell you.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: It's a good one. <laughs>
1: we can we can offline we're happy to share. It was good. It was really really good. It was a really good ending. It was satisfying. Like I said, satisfying I feel like is is my word for this book.
0: Totally. Totally. I really enjoyed it. Um and it was sexy. really it was, it was really sexy. layered. It was sexy. Yeah. It was it was sexy. It was romantic. It was layered. It had she was funny. she she was funny and smart Mm -hmm. she was um kind of like really going for this thing but all but not in a selfish way it's like once she started to she started to care about Noah and then his feelings became important to her in a way that felt very YA though like in that summer Jewish camp Jewish summer camp mafia thing where like Someone you just met, like all of a sudden there you're, you have to be a botanist, like that kind of thing that feels <laughs> like, but I like
1: that. Yeah, um, yeah no, that's cute. It was cute. And because um, you do see the world in that sort of, you do, there's a black and whiteness to the way you see the world when you're 17 that I think, you know, it felt believable. That's what I was saying. They were mature 17 year olds, but they felt 17 and I, as they should.
0: Completely. Um, yeah, really great. Great. And it's nice that then we can go back to Eight Nights of Flirting. I'm sure I'll reread it at some point and check,
1: check and see how Abby and Noah are doing. Right, right, right. I'm much more invested in them now as a couple. I never really I didn't really pay attention to them in Eight Nights of Flirting.
0: Exactly. In Eight Nights of Flirting, though, I do remember that they weren't sharing a room because I think that Abby was sharing a room with Shira Barbonell.
1: Oh yeah. But then Cause... wasn't she sneak to Noah's room? I think so. Interesting. What's that about?
0: I know what that's about
1: what the family like the family yeah honor? like you okay. like can't
0: share a room when you're 17 or 18 in a family's house you're still kind of a kid okay they're both in co- whatever okay I, I some sometimes you do share a room sometimes you don't it Dep- depends on the family sure sure but sure. if you don't share a room you still are sharing a bed for half the night
1: right right. right. i could definitely this is a you wake that up have- you
0: wake up in your own room right right, right. but for at least six seven hours you are in the other room.
1: Yes. And I think that that was, that was like a part of the plot line of right. Eight Nights of Flirting.
0: Right. Because I remember way. a scene in Eight Nights of Flirting when they were like doing each other's makeup. I think Abby was in that scene.
1: That sounds right. Yeah. That sounds right.
0: Um, So yeah, she's a great author. I'm curious if she's working on anything now. Yeah. I We've read some really, I mean, these are impressive writers and- um really cool she definitely grew up going to Nantucket she had told me last time when I was talking to her huh. about eight nights of pl- flirting and she loved Nantucket and so it's like something she knew knew well and knew she wanted to write about which is why it's set there um and there were tie-ins like she did a lot of research and because there are tie-ins to like this whaling community and Portugal and there are Jewish families from portugal right and the, how it's like on the same latitude la- line as the azores in portugal and she sort of felt like this connection could really this could be so the barbanelles didn't exist but they could
1: totally and i think like i i just i really i like that it's sort of history is really woven in in a way that it doesn't feel um sort of pedantic like it if it flows as part of the story
0: totally I really don't know the history of this kinder transport.
1: Yeah, I I didn't either.
0: But it's like, you know, when you're a kid and you learn history and then you're older and a parent and hear about something like a four-year-old was sent over alone on a boat and was taken in by a family. It's like, what? And I know that that's what was happening. I understand. I just, it's very hard to wrap your head around. Right, right, right. Do your kids know about the Holocaust yet?
1: Yeah, I think they do. I mean, at least the older ones do. Yeah. Do yours? Yeah. No, not yet.
0: Um, but but the other day, um, it was just 10 minutes that I, I wasn't around, but Mitch goes to pick up Binny from an after school, like from her cheer class, and I I hear the garage door open, so I run out to say hi, because I hadn't seen her all day, and she I open the back seat, and she's like staring at me. She's like, do you know what happened? And I was like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about, so I don't know if I know what happened. And, she, and then I hear Mitch say, like, Mama knows. Yes, Mama knows that story. She's like, Daddy told me something I wish he never told me. And I was like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. She's like, Daddy says you know. I was like, <laughs> oh, gosh. But I don't know what you're talking about. So I, I, I trust him. I know. If he's saying I know, I know. You have to fill me in. And she's like, basically describes September 11th. Uh. she's like did you know oh and she was really haunted by it like a few hours later she was going to bed she was like I think I'm recovered and her leg had been hurting I was like oh your leg feels better now she's like no I feel recovered from that story daddy told me I think I can go to like she was really Uh, upset Yeah, yeah, yeah anyway so that night I'm catching up with Mitch and I'm like wait what happened that made you tell her like just in that car ride home he explains why and then as a joke, but also not really, I was like, when are you going to tell her about the Holocaust? And he was like, well, actually, I was about to, but instead I pivoted. And like, he was really <laughs> <laughs> so, so I guess it'll be soon. But I feel like you know, our generation and us learning about the Holocaust feels different than us teaching our kids about it. Why? In terms of like, no, in terms of timing. Like, I think that we were. Oh, I mean, we learned about we, it
1: younger, you're saying? I think, I think so. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think I also like I know in Israel, they teach kids very graphically about the Holocaust, super young, like they're showing them like at camp, they're showing them like videos of like, I don't know what trains, all kinds of things, because it's like just very, first of all, they just have a different they don't I think that they have a different attitude towards sheltering kids from sort of like the facts of the world. Yeah, but, of
0: course, like they everyone they someone they know is in the army. Yeah, right, right.
1: But anyway, I'm not sure how we got to this. We got yeah. onto this because of the Kinder transport. Yes, yes, Kinder transport. I yeah, I think I knew about this stuff pretty. I I guess by Benny's eight, like six or seven, I think I I knew about about that stuff. Yeah, I think it's coming. Right. All right. Well, Me, I you're, think you're it's you're coming. Prepared. Yep. I'm prepared. So she she recovered. You know, she recovered pretty well. She did. She recovered,
0: yeah. and she now she knows. Um, okay, we recommend this one.
1: Yes, we recommend it. It was great, and. Let's talk about what's coming up next episode. Because okay, great, something exciting, Malia. Tell us the exciting thing that's coming up is that we have a guest, a guest co-host, a guest, a guest on our podcast who is very exciting. Her name is Sarah Tuttle Singer. Many of our um, our fans may know her because she's a uh, a writer and a sort of a personality in the Jewish. World And the Jewish blogosphere and the Jewish just world of writing about life and I think about romance also. Um, I have her bio here. She is the new media editor at Times of Israel. um, And she's also the author of a book called Jerusalem Drawn and Quartered. Um, her bio says she was raised in Venice Beach, California on Yiddish lullabies and civil rights anthems. She now lives in Jerusalem with her three kids where she climbs roofs, explores cisterns, opens secret doors and talks to strangers and writes stories about people. Sarah also speaks before audiences left, right and center through the Jewish Speakers Bureau, asking them to wrestle with important questions while celebrating their willingness to do so. She also loves whiskey and tacos and chocolate chip cookies and old maps and foreign coins and discovering new ideas from different perspectives. Sarah is a work in progress okay and, I, I love her bio yeah her bio is really great and i think that there's a lot to talk about just with about about with her just from that and we actually william and i met her in israel the summer that we got married there we sort of like randomly like basically f- we're walking with her on the street in tel aviv and just sort of introduced ourselves um i lived with s- you
0: guys in israel that summer
1: you did yes that was so much fun
0: that was a great summer it was uh, really fun. There should be books about things like that. That was really
1: fun. Yeah, we had some romantic We had respective romantic moments. <laughs> we did. That we did. We did. Yeah. Um, you know, some they were funny. They were. <laughs> <laughs> they, they were. They some were, were some more repeatable than others, I guess. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But anyway, that same summer, we met Sarah Singer and then discovered that she was this sort of just like had this really cool journalist persona. She writes about. A lot of the issues we talk about relationships sexuality um a lot about jewish identity and those topics and she's going to come on and talk to us and read a book with us
0: i'm so excited so the book we're plan i can't wait for this the book we're planning on reading we're planning on reading it possibly it changes but probably we're reading the intimacy experiment yep by rosie dannon and you want to hear what the int- should we read about the intimacy experiment quickly yeah. Okay. Naomi Grant has built her life around going against the grain. After the sex-positive startup she co-founded becomes an international sensation, she wants to extend her educational platform to live lecturing. Unfortunately, despite her long list of qualifications, higher Ed won't hire her. Ethan Cohen has recently received two honors. LA Mag nominated him as one of the city's hottest bachelors, and he became... became rabbi of his own synagogue. Low on both funds and congregants, the executive board of Ethan's New Shul hired him with the hopes that his non-traditional background will attract more millennials to the faith. They've given him three months to turn things around, or else they'll close the doors of his synagogue for good. Naomi and Ethan join forces to host a buzzy seminar series on modern intimacy, the perfect solution to their problems, until they discover a new one, their growing attraction to each other. They've built the syllabus for love's latest experiment, but neither of them, Expected they'd be the ones putting it to the
1: test. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty elaborate plot line. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> I like it. And you know, I think Sarah is from LA originally, so so good. That's so, so perfect. It's perfect. I love a
0: hot LA rabbi yes. as our as our hero. Absolutely. As the love interest. Totally. I Walking love this. I beach. love this sex. The sex positive queen. Really cool. What does that startup involve? I'm curious to learn. I think maybe she was a former sex worker. I can't exactly remember the whole thing. It's also in a series. It's book two of a book called The Roommate. But I I think this is a total standalone. I don't think we have to read The Roommate.
1: Great. I'm excited. And I'm excited to hear what Sarah thinks about it. I think it's going to be a really fun episode. I can't wait. I'm psyched.
0: Awesome. Great. All right, everyone. Hope you enjoyed. This episode was brought to you by Hanukkah Pong. menorah shaped beer pong available all year on Amazon, but perfect for Hanukkah, which is going to be coming up. Make those
1: lists. Sooner than you think. Don't let it sneak up on you. (laughs) Don't. And Rachel, don't we have other sponsors waiting we, in the wings? They're waiting in the wings. I feel like I don't want to
0: talk so much about them because they haven't given me the script yet or the code for our listeners. Okay. And if you're, li- if you're listening, Michael, you got to email us. We have a sponsor waiting in the wings. It's Nature's Path. But I don't want to tell you too much about Nature's Path until we have a code for you all to get it discounted. Okay, well, big things are happening here. Big things Aaronica, are happening. Big Just- things are happening, but... I, I just like you can eat Nature's Path cereal in the meantime and see if you're excited about it and if you want to get get a discount code. But you know, I have this. I'm gonna have a bet going with him about how many of our listeners are gonna actually subscribe to you know get Nature's Path cereal. And I really want our listeners to prove him wrong. And um, I want I want them to make money. But we don't have that yet. The deal has not been signed. It's just waiting in the wings. So, Michael, if you're listening. Hook it up. Please. Please, let's get it going here. All right. <laughs> but Hanukkah Pong's sign seal delivered. Ready and waiting for you. They, they sponsor us. They're ready and waiting, and plenty on Amazon available. Wonderful. Wonderful. <laughs> thanks, Molly. And thanks, William, our amazing producer. Good night. Good night. Yeah, I forget what I do now. I export it. Bye.